today is a message for all of us, and there's a lot of bad news out there in the, in, uh, in the news. Every morning I drive to work, I listen to um, ABC Radio, National News. Yes, I'm 40, but I like to listen to the news. And every morning, there is nothing but bad news. Good news is not popular. <laughs> I don't know why that is, but every morning there's something new that Donald Trump has said and a new COVID outbreak or you know, a new economic downfall and unemployment rates and, you know, there are little bits of good news here and there, but really bad news is what we uh, get accustomed to hearing, I think, and it's what we expect and it's what sells newspapers. But today I have some good news. I have the good news, the gospel. And... I wouldn't feel right about giving you a message without using at least one or two Greek words. <laughs> I don't have them up on the screen, so you're going to have to remember them. I'll ask you later. But the word gospel comes from the Greek word euangelion. Did anyone know that already? Euangelion? Of course. And as you would know, it's made up of two words. You, which means good, and ongelion, which means announcement. Now, the, the term gospel means good news. That's why we call it the good news Bible or the good news. The gospel is the good news. But where it comes from is in the olden days and in the Old Testament when kings would win battles, then they would send an, an announcement out into the community to say that we have won, there is a new king on the throne or we've dethroned another king. That's where this good news comes from. And so we call the Gospels the good news because our king has won the battle. That's the good news. So I'm just going to pray. And while I'm praying, might I ask that you pray for me as well. Father, we just thank you for your word. Thank you that you have won the battle for us. Thank you for the good news. And I just thank you for... Your word and everyone here today, Lord, I just pray that you bless it to our spirits, to our minds and to our hearts, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, back in the 2000s, mid-2000s, there was a Christian craze that you would see everywhere. Bumper stickers, hats, t-shirts, wristbands especially. I think at one point I had six wristbands all with the same thing, all different colours, of course, all kinds of merchandise. I'm sure that it made a lot of money. Anyone know what I'm talking about? WWJD. What would Jesus do? And the whole point, at least my interpretation of it, is that we would have this WWJD to remind us to think about what would Jesus do in different situations. And it was supposed to help us make good decisions in life. It would make us good Christians and good examples and good disciples and good people and that we'd be good in the eyes of God and that he'd be proud of us. Just like when Jesus was baptised and God said, well done, good and faithful servant. And that message is certainly popular in Christianity, that we can live good lives and we can be good people. And when that happens, 
we'll have good things because we serve a good God who wants to give his children good things. And I'm positive that God does want to bless his children, just like any parent does. But sometimes the message of the gospel, the euangelion, the good news that Jesus came for us is lost in our culture because we're so consumed with the message of do good, get good. If you're a good person, you deserve good things, right? That's what, that's what culture tells us. Be good, get good, or do good and get good. But what happens when our prayers are not answered? Or people get sick, or there's a global pandemic, when our bills don't get paid on time, or there's not enough money in the account to cover all of the bills that we've got, when relationships break down, when people don't treat us well, what happens when we don't get good things? I can almost guarantee you that all of us have either thought for ourselves or have been given advice along the lines of when we're in times of need, when things are not good. You just need to get on your knees and pray. You need to humble yourself before God. Have you tried fasting? How is your relationship with God? Is there some kind of sin in your life that's stopping the blessing from God from, from coming through? Don't give up. Your blessing is just around the corner. And God has got more for you than you could ever imagine. Now, I'm not saying those are bad things, because they're not. In the right circumstances, those are good. But when we're in a not good place, then we turn our minds to doing those things, doing those good things, praying more, fasting, worshipping, all of those sorts of things, being humble. And we start to do good because we expect good, right? We do good because we expect good. But it's a vicious cycle. Anyone relate to that? I know I can. You know, Luke 18, 18 to 19 says, A certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And I'll just say that word good there is, is the second and final Greek word for today. Agathos. Say it with me. Agathos. Agathos is not about doing good. Agathos is about being good. It's the intrinsic, internal good in us. And this ruler says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, that's a fairly innocent question you would think. And I'm sure it's a question we all think about. What do we do? How do we get to heaven? What do we have to do to get to heaven? That's basically what he's asking him. But in that question is the same issue that we face today that that ruler faced 2,000 years ago. And he asks, good teacher, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? It, it presumes, like many of us, that we can do something 
to inherit the kingdom of God. That we can do something, do good things to assure our ticket into heaven. Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. No one is good except God alone. And in this, I would say, profound statement from Jesus lies the truth. That is, we are not good. We are not good. And I know that that can be an uncomfortable thought because we think about the good things that we do. But we are not good. We cannot be good. And I can be confident of that because Jesus himself says that no one except for God can be good. And so if we consider ourselves to be good, then we're putting ourselves on the same level as God. If God is good and we are good, then we are like God. But that is not the truth. The truth is, we are not good. And Isaiah 64, 6 says, We are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall, and our sins sweep us away like the wind. Our righteous deeds are nothing but filthy rags. Anyone feeling good? (laughs) You know, knowing we're not good is the essence of accepting good. The more we know we're not good, the more we elevate Jesus and God to the level that he should be at, which is on the throne of our life. This is the good news, that we, we are not good, but he is good. We are not good, he is good. And John 3, 16 to 17 says, say it with me, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever... Eternal life. 17. (laughs) I know you all know it. Sorry, I did set you up a little bit there. You know what's interesting to me, fascinating, I would say, is that we all know John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son so that whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. But John 3, 17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. And the fascinating thing is, as Christians, the world around us judges us because we have been judgmental and condemning of people that don't share our values. This is not a political statement I'm, I'm not interested in saying what's right or wrong. I'm just saying, how can John 3.17 say that God sent his son into the world not to condemn it, but one of the things we are known for most 
is for condemning. It's very unchristian. <laughs> Jesus is the only way to the Father. We are not good, but he is good. And so when we think about WWJD, what would Jesus do? I would suggest that we change those letters to WJHD. What Jesus has done. What he has done for us, not what he would do. Because he has already done the best thing that he could ever do for all of us. It completely changes our focus from doing to done. It is done. And Larissa sang this in the worship. One of the last things that Jesus said, in fact, the second to last thing he said with his last breaths is, it is finished. It is done. Dusted. Behind us. It is done. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That is what has been done. That gift that he has freely given us. Not because we are good. Not because we deserved it. Not because 2,000 years ago, Jesus knew that a group of us would gather in a church wanting to learn more about him. Not for us, but for everybody. Because he is good. And we cannot be good. Ephesians 2, 8 to 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So that no one may boast. I have to be honest, there would have been three Greek words, but I couldn't say this one properly. <laughs> boast, it's a long one. I can't, I can't remember it. It was a long one. It was like eight syllables in it. I should have had a crack at it. <laughs> so that no one may boast. That word, like when we think about boasting, we just talk about, you know, talking good about ourselves. It's almost cultural for us to talk ourselves up. But that word boast means to glorify or exalt. It's a gift not a result of works, not a result of what we do, so that none of us can glorify or exalt ourselves to the level of God. Thank you. Oh, that's good. Thank you so much. I was trying to figure out how I was going to get some water in the middle of all of that. Thank you, Steve. Boast so that none of us can boast or glorify ourselves. Nothing we do will ever change the fact that God so loved us that he sent his only son, so that whoever believes in him, in Jesus, shall have eternal life. He did not come to condemn, but he came to save. That is euangelion. 
That is the good news. That is the good announcement that we should be standing on the roof and shouting as far as we can that Jesus came to save, not to condemn. Not because we are good, but because he is good. And you know the best news about that is it doesn't matter who we are or what we do. The only thing to do is to choose faith in Jesus as the Son of God. That is it. If you have passed that hump and in your head, yes, I believe that Jesus was the Son of God, it is done. That's it. No more work for your salvation. Nothing more to do. I know a lot of you here are very practical, just like I am, and I know that you would be thinking about doing good things in life, and so I just want to address the elephant in the room, because I'm not saying that we should go and do bad things and it doesn't matter. That is not the point. And in fact, Paul says in Romans 6, 1-2, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Doing good things is important, but that's not good agathos. That's not intrinsic good. That's just good, nice stuff. It's not good. It's just things. And, you know, doing good is not the root of our relationship with God. Good comes out of the root of our relationship with God. If you think of yourself as a lemon tree, and I love, I chose a lemon tree, could have been any tree really. I chose a lemon tree because who doesn't love a lemon tree? Beautiful yellow fruit, thick green leaves, beautiful smell, thorny, (laughs) find that out. But if you think of yourself as a lemon tree, you've got roots in the ground and that ground is Jesus. And in that tree, you've got a trunk, you've got branches, you've got leaves and you've got fruit. So we have a lemon tree in our backyard. It's beautiful-ish. But when we want lemons, I don't go out to the backyard with a shovel and start digging underground for the fruit because the fruit doesn't grow from the roots. Let me say that again. I'm not sure everyone gets that. Fruit does not grow from the root of the tree. Fruit grows as a result of the depth of the roots in the ground. The fruit we produce is a result of his goodness, not our goodness. Not because we do good, but because he is good and we are in him. And when we're in him, our fruit blossoms as a result of the relationship we have with him. You know, in Matthew 13, there's the parable of the sower, 5 to 7. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they did not have deep roots, they died. If you don't have deep roots, you cannot have the kind of fruit that we think of as good. 
And you know, on the opposite side of that, if we're talking about fruit, then we talk about sin. And we hear a lot, even during the lockdown, I shared a message on the branches and you know, things being cut off. And that is obvious. When you have an unhealthy branch, you cut it off. Or when you have unhealthy leaves, you cut off the leaves. And you know what happens in society, not even just in church. When someone is struggling with sin, and we talk about sin as unhealthy leaves, our first reaction is, take the leaves off. Right? Take the leaves off. But then what happens? Maybe those leaves grow back. Maybe other leaves grow. But inevitably, they will grow. So instead of talking about cutting back all the branches and the leaves, what we really should be doing is helping people to grow their roots as deep as possible. Not by just doing good and producing more fruit, but by focusing on the root. And the root is that he is good and we are not. And we should be over the moon about that. That is the best news ever. You don't have to do anything to prove your worth to God because that worth has already been paid for. When Jesus said, it is done, that's it, debt cancelled. You know, just to summarise quickly, we are not good. I feel like I've laboured on that a lot, but that is intentional. We are not good. We do good things, that is true. We do a lot of good things. But he is good. God sent his son to offer us eternal life because he is good. And the fruit of our life is a, relationship, is a, a, is a result of the depth of our relationship with Jesus, not there to show how good we are. Trees that have good fruit have good roots, not the other way around. And you know, I can relate to this. This is a word for me as much as it is for anyone. And I believe that this is a good reminder for lots of us here today. If you focus on the fruit and only the fruit, the roots don't get what they need. They don't get the nourishment or the attention that they need. And they shorten and they shrink. And just like in that parable of the sower, since they didn't have deep roots, they died. And I have felt this in my own life. You know, for me, I've, I've shared this before, you know, the past 12 to 18 months have been particularly difficult. And I feel like it is a result, in hindsight, looking back, what I can say for sure is that my life has been focused on presenting fruit. I want you to see all my lemons, my beautiful, shiny, rich, fruitful, juicy lemons. Because when you see lemons, you don't see the root. It just looks great. But what happens? Eventually, probably like our lemon tree at home, the fruit drops. If you don't care for that tree, the, the fruit drops off. 
the leaves start to yellow, the branches get dry, the fruit isn't as good, the lemons aren't as yellow anymore. It becomes less fruitful and just more tree. And it's difficult. But I know for sure that as I've had revelations of how thinking of the fruit in my life has controlled me, has controlled my thoughts, has made me think of myself through other people's eyes, has tried to make me meet the expectation of other people, how even less fruitful I've become. Even standing in front of you and sharing and speaking, you know, to me that, that has been a fruit. Because I'll, I'll, it's important for me and my self-esteem and my value for you, and I mean the collective you, to value me and to show me value. Because when that happens, then I feel valued. And inevitably, like in anything, when you are searching for value, it's hard to find it. And even the smallest things in life seem to point out the things that you don't want other people to talk about. And that just hits right at the roots. And so you start to think about more fruit and more fruit until you, one, at one point you get to the end of it and you feel like there is no fruit on the tree. And I'm being honest with you. I did not want to speak today. I didn't want to have to stand in front of you and share a message from an empty tree. And you know why that's important? That I did, Ben, <laughs> I won't say he made me, but Ben insisted that I push on, and I'm very thankful that he did. Is because last week I thought I had nothing to give. Whereas today I stand here and tell you that he has everything you need. Not me. This is not just a message from me to you. If you get something out of it, then that's fantastic. I, I hope, I pray that you do. But I cannot stand here as an empty tree and expect you to put fruit back on my tree. Because you cannot stick lemons back on a tree once they've fallen off. And at the end of the day, some of you have got apple trees, some of you have got orange trees, some of you have plums, pears, grapes. All of you have fruit. But I can't put your fruit on my tree to make me feel better. I can't. And we all do that in some way or another. We are all bound by the fruit that we produce. And euangelion, the good news is that we don't matter in the grand scheme of things. What I do has absolutely no bearing on my relationship with God and the value that he puts in me 
because he sent his son for me so that I can have eternal life. And he sent his son for you and you and you and every single person out there. There is no discrimination, no condemnation. If God is for us, who could be against us? And this scripture I um, was thinking about this morning. You know, Larissa and I have both been going through, you know, I would say a fruitless season maybe or a feeling of, you know, not great. And I just want to clarify, this is not about our marriage. We have a great marriage, unless I'm going to find out here in front of all of you that we don't, but (laughs) that would be awkward. We have a great marriage. We love each other. We're not perfect but we don't, this is not about us having issues with each other. But we have been going through tough times. And I don't know if that's age or whatever the case may be. But I have been, you know, down about that. I know Larissa has had her down days and it has been really difficult. But I guess I wanted to say this to you for each other and for ourselves. You know, in Romans 5, 1 through 2, 5, I think. We'll start at 3. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. We glory in our sufferings. Now, I couldn't have said this 12 months ago because I was not glorying in my suffering. I was wallowing in my suffering. We glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We are not upset. I'm speaking on behalf of Larissa here, I hope this is okay. But we know that the suffering that we are going through is an opportunity not to produce more fruit, but to produce deeper roots. Character, perseverance, hope in our fertile ground, which is Jesus. And all of us have that same opportunity. We all suffer. We all go through things that are difficult. But we should praise God for the sufferings that we go through on behalf of each other. And yes, we should pray for each other and we should get around each other and we should reach out and we should take each other for coffee. We should ring each other and send each other encouraging messages. And yes, they are good things. But those good things are out of the depth of a root inside of us because of the ground, the fertile ground of Jesus that we lay in. Those are the good deeds that pour out of us when we have deep roots. Not because we want more fruit, but because our roots are deep. Not because we are good, but because he is good. And like I said, I feel like 
this is a message for a lot of us. Whether you've been a Christian for 70 years or this is your first time in church, the message is exactly the same. This is not about how bad you are as a person or, or about how bad we are as people. That, if that's what you've taken out of this, I'm sorry, but I haven't gotten the point across. This is about how good he is over and above anything we could ever do. And I feel like God would say to us that he loves us as we are, that he accepts us as we are, that we are his beloved children, that we cannot impress him with anything that we have done, that he has given his everything just to be in a relationship with us and so that we can accept ourselves. I wonder if we could um, maybe end with some... um, with some praise. Yeah. That was a God sermon. A good sermon. Because God is good. Um, I'm just coming out of a pretty uh, dark physical and emotional anxiety season. and uh, But before that I said to Ben I didn't feel that it was my season or time to be preaching and I said to Ben you know just being open to God and encouraging the church and so on but yesterday I felt uh, God wanted me to just grab a message and this morning I was rushing to highlight it just in case the preacher couldn't preach I I asked you who's preaching. But it's not about, if Damien didn't preach because he didn't feel qualified, he didn't fail. God loves him and would have had someone like me who doesn't want to be on the preaching roster to come and that's what he wants to do with each one of us. He has a good plan, a perfect plan. But if we miss it, it's not punishment or failure. He's there to pick us up and support us and encourage him. And if I, and if, and Damon chose, no, I can't do it for whatever reason, and he, he shared some of those reasons. It wasn't God said, oh, you failed. I hope that whatever I would have shared would have encouraged him. And I want to say that to you, and I want to say it's a great message. Amen. I feel, like, um, I feel like it's a bit sombre and a bit reflective. I might hand over to Gordo now. That's all right to be reflective because it's important. What Damien has shared and, and suffering, suffering is a, is, is a word of the world. It's not a word from God. Because I can tell you that my first 39 years, I tried, not, tried to do everything for all the suffering. It doesn't work. It never will work. Because once that grace has been bestowed upon us, it never goes away. And the suffering, you've got to look from a different perspective. It's not suffering. It's these things of this world 
that aren't functioning as we perceive they should. And it's never, it's never going to happen. It is never going to happen that way. So the, the more you let that go, that perception, and think, I'm here as a servant of God, by the grace of God go I. It's so important to remember that it's that grace that he has given us. Nobody can take it away. Absolutely nobody. We can be, we can be stripped bare. I've always said to many people that I've been there, done that, had this, had that, lost a lot. But by gee, I gained a lot at 39 years of age. I never had much at all in, in wealth, but that's not what God wants. God wants our heart, our servant heart, to deliver that goodness to people in need that need to know the grace of God. And sometimes that, that perception is, it's, we've got to understand the devil will always be attacking. And the only way to get rid of the devil is to tell him to boot off. As soon as he appears, you pray against it, you speak against it, and it will disappear. He brings up my past all the time, all the time. And all you have to do is switch off and switch straight on to God. He'll deal with it. Because that, that suffering, as, as Damien has shared and whatever, is, it, it compounds. And then he gets you to get stomped on, you know, and feel like it. No need, to, no need for anyone to do that. We have health issues, I have health issues, but God's in control, absolutely in control. He'll keep me here as long as he needs to, not as long as I want to, and we do what we need to do. May God bless you all. That's good. So I feel that we should end by praising him. And the whole point of this message today is that we should be excited and joyful and thankful and encouraged at the fact that God is good. Not us, but he is good for what he has done.